You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's the most resilient parasite? Primetime with Isaac Insu. Can build cities, can transform the world write all the rules. That's what I'll be doing every single night. Which is why... No, 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 no! I have to steal it. What are you talking about, Willis? This is Primetime with Isaac and Sue. It's going to work. It's passable, okay? This, this isn't terrible. The best in local, regional, and national sports. With no hidden agenda. Primetime with Isaac and Sue on 1080 The Fan. Hey, what it do? Ahoy! What's up? Did I miss something? Were uh, Danny and Dusty talking about the HSO? What do you w- mean? Were they doing the heat is on? Like, I logged on to the text program. There's a little talk about uh, Beverly Hills Cop and the heat oh, is on. I don't know. I, I wasn't listening to I wasn't show. listening either. Uh, so I, I just, I'm like, that's, I always, like, look on the text program to, you know, we bring it up, and you can always tell what they were talking about the final segment or two. And uh, a lot of hot Eddie Murphy and the HSO talk. Coming in hot. I don't know how they got on uh, Beverly Hills Cop and the great Glenn Fry's Heat is On, but apparently that was the topic du jour. All right, I'll read you the last few texts, and then we guess what the topic was. Okay? <laughs> okay. So one says, Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase, just the opposite. Vacation movies saved his career. Ooh, that's a good, that's telling. Yeah. The next one says, Good Morning Vietnam. Interesting. So obviously Robin Williams. Uh... Oh, not that one. Um, <laughs> like, uh, no, no, don't do that. The, there is a shout-out to Cobra and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Gil Hill, look him up. Plus, I thought Eddie Murphy was only doing kids' movies now, and it's the 38th anniversary of Beverly Hills Cop. Hmm. That seems like a weird anniversary to celebrate. Like, 38, 38 years? Yeah, why don't we wait two years and then celebrate it? Yeah, like the 40th anniversary, sure. Like, I think you're good with 10, 20, 25, 40 but I don't, 38? Like, why not do the 32nd anniversary of Beverly Hills Cop? Just kind of a strange thing. And who the hell is Gil Hill? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what they were talking about. Clearly not sports. No. Isn't this supposed to be a sports station? Stick to sports, lamos. God. Unbelievable. Apparently Glenn Hill is some sort of... Uh, Gl- poli- Gil Hill. Gil Hill. Not Glenn Hill. <laughs> I was thinking, thinking Glenn of- Fry again. Oh, Glenn Fry. Rest yes. in peace. Do you remember Glenn Allen Hill? I do remember Glenn Allen Hill. Yeah, wasn't he the guy who? I think he freaked out in the middle of the night and thought spider. he had he had spiders on him, and then he fell through like a glass table. That's right. exactly right. Former San Francisco Giants great. Oh, I, re- I remember Glenn Allen Hill as a Toronto Blue Jay. He, I remember him as a journeyman. He was a little bit of uh, every team. I it seemed like. I remember him with. Ooh, Glenn Allen Hill team Cub- Cubs. Yeah, I was going to say Cubs is the other one that that sticks out for me. Oh. Hope he's okay. I think what they're so this Gil Hill guy, he played Axel Foley, aka Eddie Murphy's captain, in the uh, in the Beverly Hills Cop movie, and he was actually the chief of police of Detroit, and then he went on to be like a Detroit City Council member. So I guess that was an actual policeman that was playing the role of. There's always that red ass that yells at the the cop. Every cop movie has to have the angry captain that, for some unknown reason, just hates you. And screams and yells. Well, that's very stereotypical. Yes. Right? Yes. Which is why, but so apparently this guy indeed was that. Now, I don't know if he was like an angry guy in real life, but he was a politician. I guess he was crooked, too. Yeah, that goes with the yeah. territory, right? Well, look. Didn't you see that Boise cop story recently? Yeah, dude, that thing was bananas. Yeah. Is he not straight out of that? Right out of Central Cast. That uh, description you just... 100%. Yeah. Glenn Allen Hill. <clears throat> Let's talk about it. Uh, Toronto. <laughs> let's get into the, let's get into the details. Cleveland. I don't remember Cleveland. Cubs, Giants, Mariners. Really? Yep. I don't remember that. Cubs again. Yankees. 
angels. Boy, you, you're not lying when you said yeah. he was a journeyman. Like when I think of journeyman, I go uh, Reggie Sanders. Is Ooh, my ultimate. also a giant. Yeah, he, goes, he played for a lot of teams. He goes with the ultimate journeyman label. But yeah, Glenn Allen Hill, right there. That Reggie the, Sanders, a former Royal great. I think Reggie Sanders was a great for everybody. <laughs> yeah, he was really good for the Cardinals too, right? Yeah, he Reggie was, was pretty good. And he, and he never stayed anywhere for more than a year or two, but he was always good, and yet Ooh. he just he never stuck anywhere. Cincinnati, San Diego, Atlanta, Arizona, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Kansas City. Yeah, and he was good. Like I, you would think that, you know, you would think that someone would would hold on to him unless he just maybe he had a bunch of different families and he had to stay on the run. Maybe it was one of those sort of situations. He just liked the uh, the vagabond lifestyle. Seventeen years in the bigs, though. <clears throat> we had a segment open up today. I don't know if you know that. Well, yeah, we we have well t- actually two two two. You know, the only two real segments that we had. <laughs> Yeah, really. This is now why we're talking about, you know, crooked politicians in Detroit and Glenn Allen Hill, for God's sake. So Thursdays are pretty kick-ass around here. Yeah, we like our Thursdays. Dan Lanning is not on our show today. He is out recruiting. So he will be, they said they'll circle back when uh, they get their bowl schedule. We heard that. We reached out to Jonathan Smith, too, and that's why, apparently you can't do anything until you get the bowl schedule. Well, they're busy. Yes. They're, they're, it's not their normal week. No. Once the bowl schedule happens, then you set the schedule, and then you can come then on for a little bit of the old uh, face-to-face, a little yeah. of the chit-chat. And then uh, Jason Quick, do you remember him? Briefly, yes. I'm familiar with the work. The guy who covers the Blazers doesn't even want to talk about the Blazers. <laughs> he has canceled today's show I believe because he is sick. I think he's sick of the Blazers. <laughs> the Blazers lost another uh, one. Yeah, another one. Think about just like it wasn't that long ago we were talking about it was the best story in the NBA so them, tired in of them. the Jazz. They're now 500. I think they're at 11 and 11. They've lost like eight of nine. All hell's breaking loose. Unbelievable. Where's Damian Lillard when we need him? He's got well, a sore calf. He's hurt. Uh, did you catch? I did catch the game last night, uh, uh, regrettably. Yes. Um, and I refuse to talk about it as I continue <laughs> to ignore the team. You don't want to talk about Westbrook's big threes? Uh, those were, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that's kind of cool. <laughs> he hit two half court quarter ending threes. Yeah, and they refused to show either one on Blazer Broadcasting. <laughs> so I was listening to uh, who are the broadcasters? Lamar Hurd and Kevin Calabro. You are correct, sir. I was listening to them talk, and I thought the most interesting thing about the whole broadcast was when. Calabro said, Jeremy Grant told him that he makes his own clothes. Yeah. Did you catch that part? I did catch that part. And then they were talking about it, and they showed a picture of Jeremy Grant, who did look like he took the curtains from his hotel room and yeah. just made a, a like a blouse out of it Kind of sewed them. But then I went to, I got down a rabbit hole because I the game was stupid, so yeah. I went to the internet, and I was I, like, does I, Jeremy Grant make his own clothes? I did not go down that rabbit hole. He does. Really? Yeah, I mean, and not all of them, but he, he is an artist. Jeremy Grant... Uh, no. has been doing this a while. He makes jackets and he paints them. Okay, hold on. With, I got, I got art. Okay. Well, I, I saw some photos because people were then posting photos of him wearing unique things. Now, when you say he makes his own clothes, yeah, does he literally take the fabric and sew himself a jacket, or does he design well, the jacket and then have someone else? Because I think those are two entirely different things. That's what I was trying to get at, and there isn't that much out there on it. But it seemed to me that it started with. Him buying jean jackets mm-hmm. and then making them See, that's, art pieces. That's not making right. a well, jacket. I think that's how he started. <laughs> that's bedazzling something. I feel like that's how he started. And yeah. then now, apparently, he makes a lot of his own clothes, according to Kevin Calabro. I'm probably lying to you. Look, I heard that as well. My assumption. I thought that was fascinating. My assumption, not nearly as. I do remember him saying that, but I did not take it the way you did. When, when I heard that. I was under the assumption that he pays people to make clothes for him. Mm. He just designs them. Yeah. I think actually... Now, t- that I didn't read anything about that. Yeah. He does not have like his own... You mean like he has his own label? And no, no. He, he's like, all these designers say, here's what we should do. And he's like, no, you should do this, this, and that. Not like a real designer. Like I took it as he sews and he. Oh yeah, I did puts not. This stuff together. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> On his own. Have you ever seen what it takes to make a jacket? Like, that is not something that you just... That'd be a great drop. Uh, and no, I have not. Thankfully, well, I do not know what goes into making well, a jacket. like, this is... I made my living room table. Kind of. Also a drop. <laughs> like, I, you could say I made my table, but uh, I didn't... I, I didn't make the glass, 
right? I didn't, I, I assembled my table. I took a big like tree stump that was already there and I kind of sanded it down and made some flat pieces on it. And then I took a, a older table, removed the glass top and stuck it on there. So did I make my table or did I just assemble some spare parts and make it into a table? This is Those so are there two was, entirely different things. Yeah, there was an athletic article on it in 2019. And it says painting clothes has become more than just a hobby for Grant over the past several years. <laughs> That's not me. It's now a way for him to relax see, and manage his stress. See, and this is what I'm saying. I think it's more impressive for him to say, I make my own clothes. Yeah. Just like it would be more impressive to say, I made my living room table. Well, no, I didn't. I feel like I feel like this is on Calabro. I think he took some liberties with yeah. the conversation that he had yeah. with Jeremy Grant. Trying to make to it try sound. To liven up the conversation. Yes. And the reality is he he paints things onto <laughs> jackets. Yeah, I can go and find. And we don't think that's that cool. I can go find a. If you gave me a pair of your golf slacks, I could paint those for you. Slacks. Yeah. What are you, 70? <laughs> slacks. Are you not wearing golf slacks? Right now, no. Well, when you go play. You wear a lot of golf slacks. Slacks. Pa- they're pants. Those are slacks. <laughs> Okay, they're they're slacks, but nobody calls them slacks. But here's you the thing: you sound like you're 85 years old. But so it, slacks are definitely pants, but pants aren't necessarily slacks, right? Well, or aren't sla- uh, I slacks? Slacks are like nice pants. Slacks? Golf slacks. <laughs> you sound so old. Or business awesome. slacks. What are slacks? I feel like slacks have to have pleats or something. Yeah, that, I, I picture pleats. Pleats make slacks. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think so. I just figure there's some sort of delineation for what makes a slack a slack. I just figure golf pants are old and kind of uh, outdated. I trousers, see? <laughs> yes. Trousers over here. See, but you don't say golf trousers. <laughs> you we don't s- say golf slacks. Knickers. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> well, careful. careful with that. Be careful. careful. Payne Stewart wore knickers. He did wear knickers. Yeah, those are great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's golf trousers or golf slacks. Slacks? Okay, here, here we go. Yeah, we're getting a definition here. Uh, what is the difference between what are slacks? What is the difference between pants and trousers? <laughs> this is like when we were talking about what makes an avenue versus a street versus a circle versus a byway. I found that fascinating. I did too. And the I'm, trees make it a boulevard. And I'm not gonna lie. Now, when I'm driving around and I see like road signs, I now look and I'm like, "Hey, look at that! That's an avenue." I'm like, "That's an it's <laughs> an easeway." What is happening? Yeah. So. Okay, this is very convoluted, but it says the answer is simply linguistics. All three are the same thing. Well, there you go. So strictly speaking, if we had to define slacks, they're formal wear that covers the bottom half of your body. Full full length. I feel like a lot of golf wear tends to be somewhat formal. But pants is an extensive category covering anything from jeans and cargo pants Mm. to the bottom half of a tuxedo Perhaps bottom half of a tuxedo. I need some tux pants. The well, yeah, those are right? definitely. What would see, you call those? I would call those slacks. Tuxedo slacks. <laughs> I just call them slacks. <laughs> if I like, if I have a suit, I have two suits, right? You got separates, but those are not suit pants. Those are slacks. Yeah, what are those? Those are my funny. suit slacks. It's funny that I don't think I've ever heard the term slacks for the last probably twenty three years of my life. So you're wearing golf pants. I mean, that's what I call them, but I think they're, you know, they're you're wear- both. You're wearing slacks. Oh, you can call them what you want, but you sound like you're 90. Do you tuck in? Tuck in what? Um, do you tuck into the the waistband when you golf? Are you a tucker? Uh, pants, yes. Then you're wearing slacks. Yeah, pants. Pants, I tuck in sometimes with shorts. I don't think you tuck. I don't. I don't think you tuck in pants. I think you tuck in slacks. Okay. I think what you've got there, Rob, is a pair of golf slacks. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. And if you give them to me, I'll paint them for you. And much like Jeremy Grant, we'll create something. We'll create a pair of golf slacks for you. So we will have the not Dan Lanning segment yes. at 4 o'clock, the not Jason Quick segment at 5.15. We will rock the bank today with our picks. Um, boy, Ryan Buckley. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't, won't be ropping any banks. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I went into a and Yeah. the other day, and I said hi to our buddy Hugh. Hey, what's up, Hugh? He's the sportsbook manager mm-hmm. there. Who I'm going to become bros with. And the guy at the counter goes, hey, Rob. He recognized me. He goes, keep robbing the bank. Because <laughs> I cashed a winning ticket. I'm like, you know what? Apropos, sir. Felt pretty good, didn't it? That was from Matt. Yeah. Walk so we a, will rob the bank today. Walking a little taller. That'll be at 530. That's what we normally do. Okay, there's your Thursday. There it is. Yeah. Oh, and I have Merritt Paulson audio. <laughs> Can we... 
Buck, would you? I, I would just like to see the response they give you. Would you please reach out to the uh, Thorns slash Timbers and ask for Merritt Paulson? I just want to see the response sure. that we would get if we asked to have Merritt Paulson on this fine program. The worst they can do is say no. I, I'm just interested in the way they say no because I I mm. I would love to just. I want to know if they massage that a little bit, if they do the world circle back, we're not taking interviews right now, or if we just get like a one-word no. Can we just – well, maybe they're not even handling him. You know, like maybe he's doing his own thing now, right? Well, Well, if if he remains the Timbers owner. Yeah. we don't. So make sure that you you say Mm -hmm. we don't want to talk to him about Thorns things. We want to talk to him about Timbers things Uh because remember – the Slee stuff only happened with the Thorns and not the much more valuable Portland Does Timbers. Does not apply to the much more valuable I, men's un- club. I understand everyone hates me and refuses to support the team, but I want you to know that you only hate me because of the Thorns and you don't hate me because of the Timbers, so please come buy our tickets. Well, Paulson is selling the Thorns, and he sat down with Nick Krupke of Fox 12 Oregon. Yes. And I pulled some of the clips um, because it's always fascinating to listen to rich people explain away who have lived in a bubble their entire lives try to think they sound good. Hmm. You know? Yeah. The Jerry Jones is like of the they, world. Yeah. J- Jerry's a great example. Like, they're, they're guys that really have never had to formulate thoughtful opinions about much of anything because they just they get away with everything like they nothing, nothing matters yeah. right they just live in their rich guy bubble and they do what they want and then they come out and they think they're super smart and they think they're super contrite and like saying all the right things mm-hmm. and yet all they do is expose themselves as completely out of touch well if he's talking to Kretke maybe he'll talk to us yeah that's right maybe <laughs> also maybe not yeah we'll see Paulson, I don't think, has ever been our show, has he? I think when they first uh, got the Timbers way, way, way back when, yeah, I think they came on. I think he's been on once. He unfollowed me on social media one time a long time ago. Really? Yeah, that hurt my feelings. Mm. Well, maybe you can bring it up to him. Like, yeah. Hey, man, hey, just, yeah. your first question should be like, hey, man, hey, what, wait, the, what, what the, the hell? hell? Give me a follow, bitch. <laughs> You'd be like, what? Oh, uh, yeah, Twitter. Well, I don't follow him either, so. Mm. I follow him. Um, All right, well, let's party, okay? We've got uh, our poll question pertaining to Hallelujah, the 12-team playoff format is here. That's where we start next on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, because we cover all things here, I have a better definition of slacks I would like to report to you before we get started here. It wasn't good enough where we... We, no, we, we, we had this it before. Is, this is much more specific, and I think I think it fits what people think of. Like when Buck was saying, he thinks of pleats. Yeah, I think of golf pants. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Isaac wants to defend said golf slacks. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I mean, you can call them whatever you want, but I think a this is a about it. This is a good definition. It says the word slacks comes from an old Saxon term that meant loose. Mm. Somehow, slacks became the new term for dress pants. As dress pants, slacks are not tight, are not elastic, and they are different from jeans, chinos, or khakis. Maybe you associate slacks to a more classical dress pant because sometimes you hear older people, like Sukanic, referring to them like this. But there should be no difference in style. We encourage you to use also slacks even if you are a millennial. There you go. How about that? Golf slacks it is. As slacks are formal pants, you can expect that mainly slacks are made of all kind of wool fabrics or wool blends, but also linen. 
I'll tell you right now, if you're wearing wool pants, dude, get on board. We got all kinds of new technology. Pants are way more comfortable than they've ever been. Same with slacks. Get a little stretch in there. Throw a little uh, elastic. It's way better. Here's our poll question today. It's on Twitter, at 1080thefan. It is, as always, brought to you by AAA Heating and Cooling, a family business helping families for over 60 years. A-A-A-I-A-Q.com. Hey! What do you think? Oh, I forgot to put it up. Shoot. <laughs> Whoops. I was looking at the definition of slacks. Well, look at you being derailed by slacks. I was. I'm up in your kitchen with these slacks. What do you think a 12-team playoff format in college football will do to your fandom? Mm. Instantly more interest, shame level of fandom, or hurts it, that's too many teams. Mm. Uh, first off, I love college football. Uh, that and the NFL, 1-1-2 one, one, in my favorite sports, and that's not going to change. But it will increase my level of interest because you're going to get more intriguing matchups. You're giving me more the one downside of college football. Um, is that I, to me? There's just not enough compelling games. The the haves and the have-nots are so great. Uh, the, the gap is is enormous. And I, I, if you have an elite team, not say good, an elite team, you p- maybe play three meaningful games a year. And I'd even say even for like kind of the non-elite, like it, or, or we're probably not considering UW or Oregon necessarily elite, but those are very good teams, right? Yes. If if you're an Oregon UW fan, how many games did you play this year that you actually were really excited for? There's just not that many. And if you're an Ohio State Michigan fan, God, you got two. You got two all year. There's just not that much. And so when you get this and you give me a 12 team playoff and you make it there, first off, you don't have to be perfect, which I love, which keeps more teams in the playoff mix. So if you're UW, if you're Oregon, if you're Utah, if you're SoCal, I mean, shoot, if you were the Beavers this year, every, UCLA, every one of those teams going into the final two weeks of the, 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 the season would all be sitting there being like, hey, we have a chance to make the dance. So it makes it that much more interesting. And then we get at least, uh, what, if you're one of those teams and you, you make it all the way, you've got three more really, really compelling games. I mean, how you could say that this doesn't, if you're a college football fan, if this doesn't, at least peak your interest or or take it to a new level, then uh, you got a pulse. You're not a real big fan of the sport. This is the best thing that's happened to the sport in years. Poll question is up. Look at that. I did that while he was talking there. Um, I think, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's like, duh, 12 teams, way better. But uh, at the same time, there are some people who think that that's too many teams, you know? So I don't really get that viewpoint, but it's but, out there. But this idea that, and, and I get that it's probably still going to be the same three or four teams that are standing <laughs> in the in the, in the semis. Not probably, it is. It is, because again, there's such a talent gap. Um, but the fact that in the NCAA basketball tournament, who won last year? Kansas. Yeah, last time I checked, Kansas is pretty good, correct? Well, I'd like to think so. Yeah. I'm actually drinking from a Kansas mug right One now. One of those blue bloods. In fact, if we went back and looked at the last, who won it the year before Kansas? Was that Villanova? Uh, who did win it? No, Gonzaga. No, Wait, Gonzaga never Gonzaga won. Gonzaga never won it. Was uh, it North Carolina? Who beat Gonzaga in the final? It was North Carolina, I think. No, no, Baylor. No, Baylor. Oh, there it is. Yeah. It was Baylor. The dominant Big Twelve. Yeah, you look through this, and you know it's more often than not when you get into the national title game: Kansas, North Carolina, Baylor, Gonzaga, uh, Villanova, Michigan, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Villanova, North Carolina, Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Kentucky versus Connecticut. The, 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 you, the tournament doesn't end up with an underdog winning the championship. But what makes it compelling is those first-round games, the Sweet 16, when a team makes a run. So if you get a team like Oregon State, or you get a team that, that kind of comes out of nowhere, has a special season, makes a run, and let's say they win their first round, they win a, they win a playoff game, maybe they win two and get to play in a title, but eventually run short because they run into an Alabama or they run into Ohio State. You're telling me that that's viewed as a bad thing? No, that that makes the tournament. I don't care if Alabama and Ohio State win it every every year like they have been. The fact that we're going to get more compelling matchups, that David gets more chances at Goliath, and that you're going to get some upsets at the beginning of this thing, it makes it that much better. You know what it is, though? I think it's it's the important thing is getting in. Yes. Right? So this is why they continue to fight over the 68th and 69th teams in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Right? That's always a debate. Always. 
And the reason that's a debate is because teams just want a place at the table. If you're, um, let's say I'm going to use this year, well, Ohio State and Alabama, they're sitting five and six. Let's say they don't go to this tournament. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a good example because those teams are, are blue bloods. But, you know, Kansas State is sitting there. Uh, Oregon State, 15. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there with pretty damn good seasons. Let's say let's say Oregon State is where Ohio State and Alabama are. They they won the USC game. Yeah. And they're they're really close. You know, the the hardest part is when you're not Alabama and Ohio State is not getting at least a chance. Like everybody knows that the same teams are going to be there in the end generally speaking. Yes. There are always outliers. Yep. But the point is, just give us a crack, yeah. right? When you have a four-team tournament, we don't even get a crack. And so there are teams, like I was looking at it today, and I just think it's going to be awesome. You know, if you look at the college football playoff rankings, and by the way, we're talking about this because they did, uh, the Rose Bowl finally caved, <laughs> and they are moving to a 12-team college football playoff, and it will start the year after next. Yeah, we, we saw this yesterday on the show. We said, hey, today was the deadline for the Rose Bowl to get on board or kind of get the middle finger, and then last night, late, it came out that the Rose Bowl finally capitulated and was like, all right, you, you got us. So those teams that are on the outside looking in at the NCAA tournament, like they're, they're ranked yeah, they're even ranked, right? Yeah. They're, yeah, but, cares? but they want to. Well, we don't care, no, but they, they care because yeah. they want to get in. They want a chance. They want to crack. They know they're not going to win it. Yep. And it's the same with college football. You have to have a format big enough where teams that truly are deserving at least get a shot, even though they know ultimately winning those three games in a row against uh, elite, elite, yeah. most likely elite teams, you're not going to you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. But you want to crack at it. So the team sitting at 13 through 17, which right now, if you, it, and it wouldn't exactly be this way, but let's just take, for uh, argument's sake, the top 12 in the college football playoff rankings right now and put yeah. them in a tournament, yeah. right? Teams 13 through 17 are Florida State, LSU, Oregon State, Oregon, and UCLA. You don't have a reason to complain. Those Well, you don't right now, but those schools do still have an interest in Utah and Kansas State and Clemson all losing yeah. in the title games. Yeah. And so it, it is, it's 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 not just the top 12 even at this like think about how many teams are point. now vested yeah. in the 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 conference championship weekend take note of schools like Alabama and Tennessee and Penn State they aren't even sniffing their school's title games nope. yet right now they're in that tournament yep. so that i just think that opens the end of the season up the last handful of conference games and then conference championship week into being way more interesting for more schools than it is right now. And that's the point. Yeah. The point is, yes, it's probably still going to be Ohio State and Georgia uh, when it's all said and done, but that's not that's no reason to not expand it so that you can at least give schools like um, Oregon State or yeah. Oregon or whoever a, a shot at it. And let's not forget, too, that we really do get a shot at the little guy because oh. like a team like Tulane – Will get an opportunity, exactly, or would in. would yep. get an opportunity to probably yep. go play on the road at a place like Ohio State, yeah, and that's fantastic. And and for Tulane, if you told them, hey, you're going to get your ass kicked at Ohio State, probably, but you get a chance to go play in the playoff at the shoe. Oh, they're salivating. That's all you could want for a school like Tulane. And while it's about money for the college football powers that be, that we know, it is also about fan interest and yep. just just fun and entertainment. Yep. And that's what this provides. And this is the one, that's why I said, the one thing college football lacks, and we can all agree, there's not enough marquee matchups. And this gives us more marquee matchups. And ones that would, you would never see these teams play each other in a regular season, or, or really even in bowl games. And now you get a crack at it. I just think it's great. I'm glad the Rose Bowl folded on this one so we don't have to wait a couple more years. You got one more season of this, and then welcome to the expanded playoffs. How do we, how do we think that all went down? Threat, uh, I, I, threats? Yeah, well, they they, they didn't. They did say the threat. Like, well, it wasn't like a, a like a veiled threat. They they threatened the Rose Bowl and gave well, them a deadline. What are you threatening them with? Are you threatening them with money? You, you threat say we're taking away your. You're not going to be a part of the college football playoff. Yes, the, I believe the threat was. They said that we will do everything in our power to give you what you want in the new negotiation. We'll try to protect the matchup and that time frame. But if you won't do this and you hold it up, we are giving you zero guarantees. And they said, we can't even guarantee that you will be a part of the next one. So they threatened the Rose Bowl big time, and the Rose Bowl backed out. So what they came up with, uh, real quick, I'll, I'll put a bow on it. Um, 
the first 12 team playoff will begin the week ending December 21, 2024. And those quarterfinal games, they will be at the home field of the higher seed or a site designated by the higher seed, which is interesting, meaning the higher seed can actually elect to move it to a neutral site. Yeah. Right now, that would be Washington playing at Ohio State, Clemson playing at Penn State, that'd be the 8 9, uh, Kansas State playing at Tennessee, and Utah playing at Alabama. Yeah. I mean, those are your quarters. A- anyone not excited about that? Um, for 2024 and 2025, the four quarterfinals and the two semis will be played in bowls on a rotating basis. The quarterfinals will be around New Year's Day. The semis would be about a week later on a Thursday or Friday, so they would not they don't want to mess with the NFL. Yeah. And then the championship would be a Monday and it would be around the middle of January. Yeah. It's it's great. And then, you know, as that works, then they'll work out the new details for the one that'll come in 2026. So there's your poll question. Vote in all that we ask here, because we are courageous. Vote hard. Uh, Merritt Paulson speaks as he sells the thorns. To to the ladies, by the way. <laughs> Got to sell it to the ladies. Oh, absolutely. That's next year's buck. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I love this uh, because... One, Glenn Fry has already been mentioned on the broadcast today. The H is O. The movie, of which this song comes from, has already been mentioned on today's broadcast. And this song is titled The Heat Is On. <laughs> Leads us to Merritt Paulson audio. Look at us. Look at us. Synergy. Well, Merritt Paulson, I uh, saw a story. Well, we, we told you about this yesterday. The Willamette Week had it first, where Paulson is selling the thorns. Uh, he says he's going to take his time, but he is selling the thorns and not the timbers. Yeah, and he wants to sell the thorns uh, to the ladies. Yeah, because you know it's a women's team. Yes, and apparently the men have not done a very good job of uh, running it when it comes to uh, protecting the ladies. So I saw a story on this. Uh, Nick Krupke of Fox 12 sat down with Merritt Paulson in what looked to be a swanky little uh, condo over by Providence Park. And they're talking, and I pulled some clips because I wanted to play them for you. Let's. I wanted to let you guys hear what he is saying because he has not. He's issued statements. He's been very quiet. But he has not uh, done many interviews. Well, and after they won the title, remember, he didn't go to the celebration, didn't go to anything. He just said that he wanted it to be focused right. on the thorns and that he would be a distraction, so he stepped away, and which is code for, I'm just going to try to let this heat blow over. And that's all this is, by the way. It's just another attempt to let the heat blow over because the one that you want to keep is the Timbers because it's going to be valued at over a billion dollars real soon, whereas the thorns will sell for you know, 60, 70 million bucks. There's a huge difference between those two. So this is another attempt to try to just kind of kick the can down the road and survive what was a a very bad scandal for him that usually results in having to get rid of your team. Well, let's see how he does, okay? Yeah. And let's go into this with an open mind. Now, if you don't know the whole story, um, fired a coach of the Timbers Mm -hmm. in 2015 who was accused of... Thorns. Or I'm sorry, yeah, sorry, the Thorns. He was accused of uh, harassment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not say that. They just moved on from him. And he went and coached elsewhere. And a lot of people have a huge problem with that. But then a big report that we talked about here came out uh, on the entire league, the the Women's Soccer League. And the Timbers were at the forefront of a culture yes. of sexual Harassment, harassment, coercion, you name it, and, and, and think, cover-ups. And think very much kind of like a like the, the Catholic Church scandal where the idea was, okay, you got in trouble one place, we'll just send you somewhere else, and you can work over there, and we just won't talk about it. Right. I mean, that's... Yeah, they didn't really blow the lid off of it. No. Um, so that's what happened. And then in the, in the Sally Yates um, report, the big investigation, she's the former attorney general or something, she did the big report. She said the timbers were, uh, darn it, the thorns were uncooperative. Yeah. 
Um, and he addresses that. So his opening statement in the Nick, Nick Krupke piece was only people who never make mistakes are people who never make decisions. I didn't pull that clip because there was some other audio in it, but I thought that was a l- bad way to start only because um, mistakes aren't all equal, right? Yeah. It's like I get where well, that's likely true. I get why somebody who has been high profile and, and had to make important decisions that affect a lot of people would say that. And of course you make mistakes in leadership, but this when it comes to player safety and sexual harassment and lying, which they did, you can't just say everyone makes mistakes. That's the Hugh Freeze thing. Anytime that you've screwed up and you get hired and people aren't happy about it, the the go-to is the, well, the first go-to is that uh, I found Jesus. And then the second one is I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. And and it's not mistakes. It's failure. Like I I wish they would stop minimizing failure to, oh, I've just made a few mistakes. No, you you fail. And you put other people in danger. That's right. People were abused. People were hurt. People lost their jobs. You failed. So here is the first clip, um, and it's not very long, but he says, we were wrong, but we were also right. I do as I've acknowledged publicly, very much regret that we didn't do things better in 2015 and that we made mistakes in 2015. We also got some critically critical things right in 2015. There you go. <laughs> some bad, some good. Okay. All right. No judging. I guess. Here is how we failed. So Krepke says, well, how did you, what did you do wrong? And here's what he said. Immediately after getting our first ever complaint of sexual harassment for the then coach Paul Riley, we put him on leave, we investigated him, we terminated him for cause, and we communicated everything we knew in that investigation to the league and the league office, which effectively was U.S. soccer at that point in time. Of the three parties who knew of that complaint, we were the ones who acted and who terminated him, and I do really wish on behalf of players and, and, and everybody else th- that the league had done more. But we did have failings. We didn't announce the termination for cause transparently to the public. We followed our legal advice and how we announced that. Uh, we shouldn't have said anything positive about Paul Riley at all. He never should have coached another day after he was fired. And I think a lot of questions have arisen. How could he have coached? Um, and we didn't know about Sinead Fairley's abuse story until the article was published last year. But we knew enough from our investigation that there wasn't any cause, whether it was professional courtesy or congratulating somebody on a win, et cetera, to say a single thing positive about him. We, we did have failings, and I have deep regrets there. I mean, I... I <laughs> so we acted, yeah, but no one else but- did. But we lied about it because that's what our attorneys told us to do. And now we regret it. I... It's a cover-up. Yes. Um, but he kind of spun it into, well, uh, the, our attorneys told it. Like, he, you know, he's kind of deflecting a little bit. It's a cover-up with blatant yeah, disregard yeah, for victims. To say that is. you fired someone, but that you're not saying why you fired him. You're just letting him go. But then you say positive things and you basically give him recommendations when you know the guy was a, a predator. That's where you lose me a little bit on the, yeah, hey, you know, give us credit for, for getting rid of him and not letting him coach. A little bit. Again, this goes back to the best way. I think it's the Catholic Church thing. It really is. It's like, yes, we know you've been doing bad things and you're no longer allowed to work in this parish. But you know what we will do? We're going to give you a recommendation and we're going to let you go deal with some other. It's the same thing. You can't take credit for getting rid of someone when you don't someone else. Or how about this, if you want a less uh, you know, touchy-feely sort of analogy, how about if you found out that your house is a piece of crap and you sell your house to someone and you don't tell them it's a piece of crap? And then you're like, well, I don't know. I, I sold them a house at a great price. Hey, that's on them. Yeah, uh, yeah, the house is falling apart. And you're like, I don't know what to tell you. Get I did an the, inspection. You know, it's just, there's, I mean, I get where he's trying to go with this, but it's it, it falls a little short with me. A little short. Uh, here is uh, here is Krupke uh, asking him a poignant question. So many uh, efforts were done in the past year plus to make positive changes. What do you look back upon and go, man, I wish we would have done that differently at that time and we wouldn't be to this point? It's a tough, it's a tough you know, question. Um, 
Nick. I mean, I there's so much I wish <laughs> if we could, you know, I, I will tell you that only we've, we've continued to try to put our best foot forward, to do our best with the best of intentions. And, you know, that's that's what I'll continue to play. So that's a punt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> best foot forward. Tough. Uh, eh. Cliche. Yeah. I mean, and here he is on Sally Yates saying that they were uncooperative with their investigation. It's unfortunate that our cooperation was characterized as she, as Sally Yates characterized it. We just disagree completely with that characterization. We did over six hours of of live interviews. Uh, person to person with with Sally Yates and her team gave them all the documents they requested. We were by definition cooperative and did everything we could to help her in her investigation. Which uh, I get. I mean, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't think that Sally Yates is lying about. Well, again, if you're asking me, and look, I I don't know whether or not they are cooperative or not. But if you're asking me which one that I'm well, going to put believe? more faith in, yeah. the the former federal prosecutor who's is that what she was? I think that's what it was. Sally Yates. Look it up. She was either a federal I'm prosecutor gonna... or she was uh, kind of a she was a DA somewhere. Look that up. Um, Looking it up. God. But I, if you're asking me the the independent uh, investigator here or the one whose team is being investigated, which one of those I'm going to put more weight in? And by the way, the truth may lie somewhere in the middle of She's that. She's the former U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. There you go. So I tend to put a little more uh, stock in, in... Ah, she's a Democrat. Oh, snowflake. <laughs> put more faith in what she had to say, but this may be where Paulson thought that they were, you know, being forthcoming and she wanted a little bit more, but... You know, that's at the end of the day, she did say that they weren't being forthcoming, and I, I tend to put stock in that. So that is what Merritt Paulson said. You can catch that whole thing. Uh, it's on the Fox 12 website if you want to check it out. It's like six minutes long. Well, and don't forget, too, that the Timbers were also fined. Uh, you mean the Thorns? The, no, the Timbers were fined for do? not disclosing uh, domestic violence allegations, too. So, oh. yeah, they had that, and then they got caught on. Who was that? Was that a player? That was the player, and then they got caught, uh, a representative of the Timbers calling the spouse, asking her, if, you know, basically to, to not press charges. So there's been some troubling stuff there with the, the Timbers as well. So, yeah, they were fined by MLS for failing to disclose accusation of domestic violence against a player. So, but Paulson was praised by the commissioner, uh, saying that he's a wonderful owner and he puts his teams first and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, I will give him credit for one thing he said with uh, Krepke. He said, um, and he's right. He said, "Look, I've been a bitty, a, a very strong voice for the Thorns in the league office." Yeah, and he said, um, "I am selling because that voice has been compromised." So at least he gets that part of it. Yes. He and understands that he he can no longer operate as the owner. And the other one that I'll give him credit for, and, and look, I don't know, maybe Mayor Paulson is a great guy and is misunderstood. I'm just going off of what's out there. The thing I'll give Merritt Paulson credit for is in a league, um, and I'm talking about the, uh, the, the women's soccer league here, there's a lot of Mickey Mouse organizations there that are run on shoestring budgets, that uh, crappy training facilities, substandard housing, bad stuff across the board. By all accounts, the Thorns ran a really, really first-class operation with a great stadium, packed houses, we thought taking good care of the players, excellent treatment of them, good travel, all that stuff. They were supposedly a model franchise, which is why it's so disappointing to know that um, the safety of the, the players wasn't wasn't put at the forefront. I think that's the disappointing part because it was being held up as one of the great examples of what women's soccer could be because it was one of, well, really, it is the most successful, only three-time champion in that league. And that's a bummer that um, that this has befallen them. Well, if you would like to buy the Thorns, it appears they are for sale. Yes. But he wants to sell it to women. So Well, he put the women in charge after he stepped down. And now yeah, he's that Nike to, gal. Yeah. Who I, we were talking about her yesterday. I got a text from one of my Nike buddies who said she's fantastic no, and would be a great owner for the Thorns. I just hope that whoever, you know, because, you know, when you, when you buy the, the Thorns, you're going to have to have some deep pockets because one of the reasons they were run so well is, again, it was run by a very successful organization and you've got a great building, you've got great fan support. That's still a tough business model. You know, women's soccer is not a thriving, uh, it's, it's not the NBA. 
So I hope whoever buys it has deep pockets, has a good relationship with with Merritt Paulson. He said that they would hope and that they would continue to play at Providence, mm-hmm. and you and hope he that would it, help them. Yes, and I hope that he really means that, and this doesn't just become well, you're a second class tenant here to the Timbers, and that first class organization continues um, with just some better front office management. All right, a not Dan Landing segment is coming up. Up next, uh, a segment titled Portal Landia. Do you get it? Do you get it? I do get it. Does everybody get that? I see what you did there. We've got more transfers. It is 355 on the fan. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. That's right. Uh, Dan Lanning is not going to join us today. He normally joins us Thursdays at 4, but he's out recruiting. So uh, we're hoping to catch up with him uh, next week or at some point uh, before the bowl game. Uh, quick audible here. Um, Buck pointed this out. You know Amy Dash, the attorney on Twitter? Yes. She's pretty good. Um, credible. Sports um, legal insider type person. Okay. Uh, she is tweeting about a situation going on right now with Antonio Brown. Oh, what did he do now? Well, you know that he was an arrest warrant was sought for battery. Yeah, yeah, some sort of domestic thing, right? That happened Monday. She is now saying Antonio Brown is reportedly engaged in a standoff with police hmm. and has locked himself inside his home, refusing to turn himself in on an active arrest warrant. Oh. Police uh, negotiators are trying to reason with Brown using a megaphone. Brown allegedly has guns in the house. By the way, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, Believe it or not, a couple years ago when he was doing the whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing, he had uh, like a a mover bring his stuff to his home. And then when the mover had the nerve to ask to be paid, Antonio Brown hit him and then tried to steal the stuff out of the back of the truck. The guy drove away, called the police, and he barricaded himself inside the home and wouldn't come out for a while. And I think the police eventually came to a resolution with that, and uh, and he came out and, and, and dealt with it. But this one sounds maybe a little more serious because of the there's a negotiator there and, and, and potentially guns. So she says, police have made multiple attempts to take Brown into custody despite earlier reports from several outlets of a standoff. There is no confirmation that he threatened any violence to categorize it as a standoff. However, he is allegedly not cooperating with police. Court docs show that this stemmed from an alleged domestic incident with the mother of uh, four of Brown's kids, who claims he threw a shoe at her and threatened to shoot her, then kicked her out of his house. Uh, He refused to come out when police arrived. The suspect exited the residence and threw a shoe at the victim, striking her in the ponytail. The victim had no injuries but believed the shoe was meant for her head. The suspect would not open the door or come outside to speak with officers. The suspect also, during this incident, attempted to issue an informal eviction to the victim. The alleged victim told police Brown had two guns in the house. Police tried to speak to Brown, according to law enforcement, but he allegedly locked himself inside and allegedly threatened to shoot the alleged victim if she tried to enter the home. The police report claims Brown placed an informal eviction notice on the door with 11-28-2022 as the date showing the victim had seven days to gather her belongings and leave. I don't think that's the way that works, but all right. <laughs> he's he's filing eviction notices now. <laughs> I, wow. I, I, informal. Can I just do that? My, can I go to my home, you know, because and just leave a note from my gal that says, by the way, you have seven days to remove the <laughs> your items from the premises or you will be shot. No, I, this, is, this is an official notice. <laughs> Wait, what? You just wrote that on a piece of paper? Uh, no, it's official. No, it's a, I'm sorry. I, I am a notary and it's been notarized by me, so get the hell out. The suspect continued throughout the incident to state that the victim had no right to be at the residence, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you have no right except you live here. That is your, her with, listed address, With by the your way. kids. Uh, since this incident, police obtained an arrest warrant and allegedly have made multiple attempts to arrest him without success. Just spoke. Okay, so this was this is the most this is the very latest. Her updates. She said just spoke to Tampa PD. This is in Tampa, 
And due to conflicting reports from multiple outlets, they are gathering details on what occurred when police attempted to arrest Brown. But they are confirming now that Brown, as of this present moment, is a wanted man. Yeah. Boy, his his spiral is something else. Like, maybe he should get with Kanye and uh, just sit down and, and have a chat. I don't know if you saw what that crazy son of a bitch did today. <laughs> well, as you know, every human being has something of value that they brought to the table. <laughs> Including. Especially Hitler. Hitler. Did say there were That's ma- what he said. That's a quote. I'm uh, sorry. Do not no, assign that to me. That is. That's what Yeezy said. Kanye West. Yeah. Today about He's Hitler. trending for that. Yes. It's, well, of course, he said it to Alex Jones. <laughs> you in know, a meeting of the minds. You know it's bad when Alex Jones is stepping away from your comments being like, that's a bridge too far. Sorry, I like that I'm... he asked Alex Jones to not swear, please. <laughs> of all the things. Yes. Yes. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of all the stuff Alex Jones is doing that is not okay, it's the swearing that we right. have an issue with. This brings up a crazy meter question. Okay. Crazy me. By the way, he was also wearing a uh, like a black hooded mask yeah. the entire interview. I actually didn't think it was him. It didn't sound like like when you don't see his face because yeah. you can't see his face because yeah. he wore a mask. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like him. Oh, it's him. Well, I know, but I'm just saying it doesn't sound like him. like that's not. It's, I don't know. His voice doesn't match. Yeah. I, I, what he looks like. I, I get it. So I get, when you yeah. hear him talk and you don't see his face, you're like, that's not Kanye. <laughs> he didn't say that. Yeah, he did. Um, he didn't just back up Hitler, did Crazy he? meter. Antonio Brown, Kanye West, Kyrie Irving. Oh, that's good. Kanye's got to be I'll give you one. a little Aaron Rodgers. Kanye's got to be one, right? Like, Well, I'm asking you. Kanye won. I, no one else is having a standoff with police. I'm going I him. Go Brown one. I'm going him I think too. I too. You going Antonio Brown? I think I'm ones? going. I, I think that he, even though Kanye may say crazier stuff, yeah. Antonio Brown's the one doing crazier. Yeah, things. Yeah, Brown's unhinged. <laughs> it's it's true. I I don't think Kanye's unhinged yet. I think the Hitler thing put it over the top for me. <laughs> you know, he just backed up Hitler. Yeah. What? Yeah, what did he say? I see the good things in him too. Yeah. Something like that. No, he said every human being has something of value they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be number one. And he says he loves everybody. It has to be number one. Except the Jews. It has to be number one. I don't think so. It I has to be. Crazy meter, I'm going brown. Uh, but that's just me. Um, okay. All right. All right. We are way over, aren't we, Buck? We screwed it up. We are, but you know what? We don't have to worry about Dan Lanning and his punctuality. Right. Yeah, we don't. Uh, he usually calls at four. That was like six minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, he'd be on hold for like 11 minutes of yeah. his interview. You think he would love sitting here listening to us talk about <laughs> Hitler? <laughs> we ask him about, hey, what are your thoughts on <laughs> The Not Dan Lanning segment is next. It is 4.06 on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.